Hey there, I'm Meg Dewalabi. And I am Amy Tianyi Zhao. Welcome to The Spark, a podcast that is a continuation of a conversation sparked between us one summer evening in China. We would love for you to join in on the conversation and listen along as we talk about everyday topics, big and small, as two women from two backgrounds, cultures, and countries. Everything starts with a spark. We all have the power to kindle a spark that makes us realize we are more alike than we are different. Welcome back to the schedule program. I'm not sure what day it will be by the time when you're able to listen to this episode, but while we are recording it, we are still in March 2020. And unfortunately, even though that March has been identified as the Women's History Month, we're still very much in the midst of、um, this epidemic outbreak. Considering the health and well-being of ourselves and the people around us, there are apparently only a very limited number of celebrations, basically none except online, that we, at least me, can participate in while living in the states right now. When we started the series, we didn't know that the situations were going to be this intense and crazy. But now, given the situations and the changes in our lives, I personally consider recording women as our way of paying tribute to the celebration of femininity. God, I can never get that word right. Mike, <laughs> <laughs> I've always recorded while we are living in two different countries, or even countries with. Time differences. This whole thing comes kind of handy and natural to us. Absolutely, I think like, you know, it's so funny how so much has changed since we started recording this series. This pandemic has been unfolding and playing out in the background as we've recorded every single episode of this series. And I'd have to say that for me, recording this series is the most that. I've probably done in my lifetime to celebrate Women's History Month, and I have to be honest, I didn't even know until this year that there was a whole month dedicated to it beyond International Women Women's Day. Like, I'm definitely, as a woman, I'm very honored、um, to to have this, and so, but that's not a, a testament to the importance that I do or do not place on it.、Um, and I hope that all of you, as listeners, have an eye into just how passionate I am about women's history and rights by now. And if you don't, you might want to back up and listen to the first two episodes of this series.、Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I'm so happy to be able to have this platform to celebrate things like women, Women's History Month, because for me, celebrating it looks more like bringing awareness to it and. Why it's a thing in the first place, like Black History Month, for example, as well. So now that everything is temporarily almost 100% virtual in the middle of this epidemic, I don't think there could be a better time to bring awareness to it because people are spending more time online now than ever. It's a perfect time to be a podcaster or an <laughs> influencer or anything else you can do online. And again, if you're just tuning in now and you're not totally caught up on the last few episodes, go give those a listen, including the last episode, which was a special episode dedicated to the COVID-19 pandemic. That we paused this series to record because we、yep. literally couldn't think about anything else <laughs> until we yeah, kind of got that out of our system. I'm sure it's that way for many of you as well.、Um, 
But if you have consumed enough information about the epidemic and are avoiding the news and anything coronavirus related, like me at the moment for your own sanity, me Mm -hmm. too, um, then you can meet us right back here and we are going to get on with it when it comes to celebrating uh, women's history. So really excited to bring you um, the third installment of this series. Today, we have a lot to unpack. Yeah, totally. If you're tired of the COVID-19, just don't listen to the past, the last one. Exactly. Um, just just don't. <laughs> just just skip um, it. Just skip it. So, not COVID-19 related. Um, in two episodes back, we shared our experience and opinions as young, relatively young females in the work field. We covered a lot of topics, but one thing that we haven't covered was the concept of timeline. After spending two years in the work field, I realized that women were more likely to be put or put themselves on a timeline. I know that men are always put on a timeline as well, and the pressures for men's timelines is by no means lighter than women's. In a lot of cultures, I I realized that men are actually more likely to be pushed by the society or family to have a clear career trajectory immediately when they step into the work field. Because in a lot of cultures, they are regarded as the breadwinners. So the, the pressure that they took is by no means less than women. Yes. The timeline for women, though that I'm saying here is quite different. It's a timeline closely related to females' biological functions. For example, some women are thinking about becoming mothers someday. Not everyone. Don't be mad. Some of them. And for a lot of people, this step is more likely to happen after we have a solid economic foundation. So it will most likely happen after we start working. However, scientifically, there are only a certain amount of eggs one female can produce, and it's it's a fact, and there are a lot more benefits for women to have kids in their late 20s or early 30s than your 40s or 50s. So inevitably, that timeline becomes very pressing as we go along in our professional careers because there are a lot of uncertainties there. I think what I'm trying to say here is that Timing um, is that turning from girls to women not only have our ways of life changed, most importantly, our identities and titles have also changed accordingly. We started off as someone's daughters, then to someone's girlfriends, and if lucky, we become someone's wives and eventually someone's mothers and someone's grandmothers as you get older. I don't know. (laughs) Um. I know that men will change from someone's sons to boyfriend to husbands and maybe fathers and grandfathers. I don't know why I didn't put grandfathers there, but as well. (laughs) But in this episode, because me and Meg are clearly women, I I think, we would like to discuss (laughs) how we are busy becoming other people's somebody and fulfilling the responsibility that comes with those titles where are we as an individuals or how do we see ourselves in family lives or in intimate relations in general? Have you ever had a moment where you feel like you lost yourself? How can we guarantee a smooth transition between different titles? 
Again, a clarification here before anyone comes to me. I know that not every woman is bothered by this title change and this timeline. The societies that we are living in are unfortunately quite open, or at least becoming more open towards women in different choices and their different choices. I know that you don't have to be someone's girlfriend's wife or mother. You can just be someone's daughter, and it's more than enough. And I know, with the help of modern technology, there are a lot of ways that you can go about this. You don't have to, you know, give birth yourself. You can find a surrogate. I don't know. This episode <laughs> is a celebration for every woman out there who's living a fearless and free life, no matter what your choice is and what your definition of a free life might be. You know. Exactly, Amy. I think you just hit the nail on the head because. That's the thing when it comes to celebrating women in our history, it's about celebrating the freedom to be whoever we are as women and live the life that we choose. Whether that's being the career woman or staying at being a stay-at-home mom in the gray areas that exist in between both of those extremes, um, it's definitely important for us to bring the topic of women back to the topic of families and intimate relationships because at the center of any family story is a woman. And family stories are written in many different ways. No two stories look the same, and the roles that women play and the expectations of women in those stories varies from country to country. And we want to bring those stories into view. For me, I have two different roles and sets of expectations as a woman at the center of a new family story that is only beginning now that my role has changed from girlfriend to fiance, and eventually will change to wife.、Um, And my, and my relationship spans between two families from China and America that are coming together as one. As my title has changed as a woman, the journey to this point has led me to be to come to an understanding about my place as a woman in my relationship, in my family, both in America and China, and personally. In fact, I was brought to my first moment of understanding that unboxed all of this for me the night that I met you, Amy.、Oh, really? And Yes, because、um, there was definitely a moment, like a shift, where things changed in my understanding and my relationship and my relationship. And、um, so that moment was when I was talking to you that first night that I met you, and、mm -hmm. I don't know how we got on the topic. I mean, who knows how we get on any topic? But it always goes super deep, and I love it. <laughs> And、um, so we were deep in the topic, and I think we were just talking about the differences in our relationships. Her dating,、uh, well, you and her to our audience dating an American, and then me dating someone from China. And we were talking about the independence of women in each country、mm -hmm. and what that looks like, and how that relates back to relationships. And I was explaining to Amy just. How sometimes I just I felt like my independence was being suppressed in the sense that every time I tried to pay for something or I tried to do things on my own without asking for help from my fiance or anything like that, it just seemed like it never went well.、Um, it、mm -hmm. seemed like I was almost offending him when I pulled my card out at dinner. Really?、Um, oh, that's yeah, that's classic. Yeah. Yes,、yeah, so、uh, I was explaining this all to you, and this is like almost two years ago now. But I was explaining all of this to you, and you said, "No, that makes complete sense." And you explained to me that for a Chinese man, if he can't do those things, 
he feels less than in his culture. And, um, in a sense, I was taking that away from him and it was offending him. And whether that was subconscious or conscious for him, maybe a little bit of both. Um, but that was my moment of realization, Mm -hmm. um, that there is a time and place and a balance for my independence in my relationship. And this has continued to carry on through today. Like I am no longer the person I was before uh, we had that conversation in my relationship. I'm a completely different person with a different viewpoint. And, you know, and that's, that's what being the spark means, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) not to be cheesy about it, but that was a life-changing conversation that I had um, with you, Amy, and has definitely affected my relationship for the best too, when it comes to talking about these things. Yeah, I'm definitely super, super honored to be put in that position because I think, I again, I didn't know how we, we started these, but um, because we met when we were eating, so I guess talking about who to pay, it's like pretty natural, but I just, I just, I don't know. But yeah, I'm glad it, it, it turned out to be a very inspiring moment for you and today you're like fiance now and it's I I felt like I've witnessed something great that (laughs) night and it was it was really magical but I think it is important to discuss women in family settings because specifically because of my mom um when talking about women of course it's a pretty classic or just a natural thing that people refer back to their moms because she, she um, was, you know, very important in my family. <laughs> she is. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so my mom has been a great inspiration for me uh, when we talk about great women. And I also think topics related to families where I experienced a lot of cultural shock, if not the biggest cultural shock when I, first started living abroad now even in the states just the first time when i started living somewhere else other than china in short my mom has always been a career woman since i was really young she had me when she was on top of her career ladder and in my early memories she has never settled for less which means that she always traveled for business and she went to so many cool places around the world but one thing that stood out to me was how proud she was talking, taking all the response about taking all the responsibilities, both inside the apartment, outside the apartment. My mom stopped working full time. Um, after I entered a sixth grade, she still needed to work because she had clients that she took on from her previous company. Um, so that when they wanted something, when they demanded something to purchase from China, she had, um, she, she had to go and make those purchases, but she had more free time during the day. What she ended up doing was she made her apartment super clean all the time. And she cooked it clean after all of her meals from breakfast to dinner without having a dishwasher. She does all the laundry cleaning and cooking on her own. I offered to help, but she only asked me to do a little or asked me to just step aside and not bother her um, because I just always ended up making a mess anyways. <laughs> um, so probably smart there. But my dad is the working man in our family and he's super busy. 
Um, she came back home very late every day. Um, that was when I was relatively younger. Now it's better. But so he naturally became the person who, you know, enjoyed the outcome and doesn't feel obligated to do any housework. When I mentioned this type of dynamics to my mom and how unsatisfied I was because growing up I saw she was the only person who always does everything. She always just emphasizes how capable she was and never complain about no one helping her. And these and she was like, these were just fine. They were not that much and I feel happy when the house is clean. That that's always her answer. But then I mentioned the concept of feminism to her. And for her, that word sounded like a bomb. <laughs> um, <laughs> just like stay away from that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, and she told me that was not like I told her um, how she lives her life. is not how I want to live my life. And for a mom, that's very sad. Like that's painful because her entire life, she wanted to be a model for me. And then one day a 14 year old girl like turned to her and be like, I don't want to live your life because you're, <laughs> you're doing too much. Then that was when I got a little older, my viewpoint hasn't changed, but there was a moment I remember when she told me to be quote unquote smart. She said, even though it may seem like she is doing more around the house, she's actually winning by taking over the power. Because my dad loves her, um, and I'm blessed with a really good family. But now my dad not only loves her, he couldn't leave without her. He's dependent on her. <laughs> and he sees her as a very crucial part of his life because without her, his life is not complete. I mean, I guess it sounds more romantic than what it actually is supposed to be, but like... You know, um, mm -hmm. she gets compensated by having a stable and comfortable life when she's not busy cleaning the house or taking care of my paternal grandma. She um, she gets to enjoy her free time, even though that's not that much of a time at all. If I want to live a 50 50 percent life which by that, I mean, like everyone takes half of the job, you know, then um, my mom told me that it's very likely that I will lose something as well, even though I don't know what that might be yet, because of course I'm always too young for her. Um, <laughs> so she told me depending too much from my partner is not what a quote unquote smart lady would do. A smart lady strategically compromises. Um, they don't ask for fairness without considering what they might lose during that battle. And a classic quote that she always uses is, "If I step, uh, if I step one step backward, then I ha I can have the view of both the sea and the sky, instead of only having the view of sky." You know, so I don't know if that makes sense, but it does make sense, and um, I think this is a definite. It's it's a definite um, difference, almost a philosophy um, that is something that I'm facing personally right now, coming from a different culture and stepping in to um, this new culture as well. I definitely struggle with this um, 
a lot of the time and more so as of late, as I'm settling into a new role and I'm working Mm -hmm. to find the balance of maintaining my independence and a relationship with myself. Um, and this is, it's true. It's definitely been really tricky for me because while I understand what creates harmony in a relationship, especially a relationship wrapped up in Chinese and American culture, I can totally understand where your mom comes from. Um, Mm -hmm. But recently I found myself leaning in too far and taking too many steps backward that, yes, I had the fullest picture of both the sea and the sky, but in that picture, I was nowhere to be found. And this is something that I just recently have kind of been facing. Um, So it showed me that, well, I was, well, I thought I was doing my part in my relationship to make the, make it the best it can possibly be. I was doing it at the cost of my own happiness to the point where I wouldn't know how to answer if someone asked me what I wanted to do. And Mm -hmm. I was spending all my time doing everything for my fiance, like cleaning up every mess, running around and making his life the easiest it can be, which is easy. (laughs) It's really easy to get caught up in. Like when you work from home as well, like I do. And so, yeah. Yeah. And so without realizing it, I was enabling him to remain in a stagnant place rather than in a place of growth. Mm -hmm. And I set aside my own sense of empowerment. And in doing that, I set aside his empowerment too. And that is a, that's a really, I know that's a really deep thought. And it took me a second when I realized this to kind of unbox that for myself. Um, but let me take a stab at explaining it to you because I I always wonder what it's like for you to, go from, you know, it's easier for me to come from Chinese culture to American dating culture. Sorry to cut you off there, but I'm just saying this is always something I want to know personally. Like for you, it must be so much for you to come from like, you know, American kind of dating or even just society growing up in here and then going to a traditional Chinese household and and facing this whole new thing, but keep going. Yeah. The transition is definitely an interesting one. I mean, like in many regards, like stepping into Chinese culture, I feel, and we'll get into this a little bit later too, but I do feel more respected and more valued. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like I think about it from your perspective, you're coming in from that Mm -hmm. and you're coming over and you're like, wow, I have so much freedom now. And -hmm. I don't necessarily see me stepping into all of this as me sacrificing my freedom, but in trying to be conscientious of the expectations I was really doing a disservice to myself and my relationship and to my fiance. Mm -hmm. And I really came to this realization um, with my therapist. If you don't have one, get one. It makes life so much easier. Um, (laughs) Side note. But um, I was explaining to her that, like, I I came to her one day and I, I was explaining to her that I was feeling a little empty, like I had lost myself. And you mentioned earlier, you asked in the intro of this episode if you've ever felt lost. And, um, this is my moment of feeling lost and it's still so new. Um, but I explained to her that I used to re I remembered when I lived in Seattle alone, right out of college, I woke up every morning and I did what I wanted to do, which was revolutionary because, um, it was the first time in my life where I was the captain of my ship. I knew I had always been the captain of my ship and, and, many regards, but 
this was me like stepping into my power during that time. And I was empowered and I took care of myself like I would take care of a daughter, which is something that I had never done before for myself. I, you know, I figured I come last, everyone else comes first. And that has to do a little bit with how I was raised in the environment. I was raised with so many siblings and everything like that. You can't take a front row seat all the time. Um, but yeah, that all changed though. When I settled into my relationship and I moved to be closer to my fiance because I had the opportunity to. And, um, for me personally, I've always seen relationships as the biggest opportunity for personal growth in relationships. You face things inside of you that you've pushed down or suppressed because they're scary or they're too time. They're too consuming or they bring attention to the parts of yourself that you're not proud of. But here's the deal. You can only heal those things and you can only grow past them by facing them. So when I was unpacking everything with my therapist, she said, you know, you keep saying that relationships are an opportunity for growth, but how are you in part empowering your partner to grow by sacrificing your needs and wants and your sense of independence and empowerment and basically assuming a caretaker role? And that was huge for me because I, I got it. I, I realized that my dissatisfaction in my relationship was my own doing. I was putting him in a lower position than myself by being in control of all the situations, by doing everything, taking on so much responsibility and making sure that he's comfortable that I kept him small and um, didn't allow him to be who he, he was. And I wasn't being who I was, not to mention I wasn't being the best version of myself in my relationship because I was doing that. And even though I thought that this was what was needed to be done to make my the, my relationship the best it can be, um, it wasn't. It was doing exactly the opposite. Like in the beginning of my relationship, I faced a lot of my own stuff and I'm definitely better for it. But when I started to confuse the role I play in my relationship with caretaker, I was stunting my fiance's growth and neither of us even realized it. And mm -hmm. um so in all of that, um, my therapist, she told me she knows how much I love words and like different things like that. And she said, I have this poem that I know you're going to love. She's like, I share it with everyone. And um, I don't have the poem in front of me right now. But basically at the end, it talks about how two, two oak trees don't share the same roots because they would be fighting for water. Instead, they stand resolute um, mm -hmm. on either side of a road, like being together, but standing apart. Like there's another part, I don't have that totally nailed, so don't quote me, but there's another part of the poem too where it talks about two columns on a building. You don't stand together, otherwise the building would fall apart. They stand apart to support mm -hmm. the entire foundation. And um, so, yeah, I think when talking what we're essentially looking at too, like, you know, is the, the question is, is there a power dynamic between two people in a relationship? And yes, I believe that there's a power dynamic, but it's, I don't think it's between two people in a relationship more than it is between the couple and each person being aware enough not to fall into a trap of codependence within the relationship. And, um, so when looking at this difference between cultures 
I am constantly trying to find the balance between that, like resisting codependence, not only me being codependent on my partner, but also making sure that I'm not creating a situation where he's codependent on me. And, Mm -hmm. um, cause in reality, people are better people when they're better to themselves. And like I said before, I wasn't the best version of myself in my relationship when I was taking on that very motherly role unknowingly. And I'm used to it. I'm the oldest of four daughters. Um, even though I thought I was doing all the right things, like I said, to make my relationship the best it could be. Um, and this isn't something I need to make sure. Well, and this is, excuse me, this is something I need to make sure to be careful with, not just in my relationship, but from here on out, especially in the future when we have a family and I add the title mother to my name, because for me personally, you shared your experience with your mother. Um, with my mother, like this is our example as women or our mothers. And um, I come from an example of giving, giving, giving as a mother and then falling into the traps of resentment and anger because it was at the expense of my mom's personal fulfillment. And all she had to do, I think, and is just say the word, I need mm-hmm. to take a break. I need to go do what I want to do for a day or things like that instead of waiting until you're upset and resentful about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how much culture does or does not play into it. I'm sure it does. Like with your mom, it doesn't sound like she was very resentful at all. Like she wasn't resentful at all. She wasn't ever upset about doing the things that she did. She took on the viewpoint that she does those things because that is what makes her happy. And it, you know, so every, I think every woman is different and it spans across cultures and what that looks like is different for everyone. As long as there's an awareness to it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I really believe that the role a woman should take not only in their relationship, but their family should also be one that pours from a full cup. And that that means taking time to fill that cup without guilt however that may look for her. And so I think one of the things I did want to ask you is like, I don't know. And one of the things I'm wondering about for myself is how to balance that, like making sure that you're filling up your own cup, but also adhering to cultural expectations, you know, as a woman. Um, I don't think I balanced it well. I think I I don't have a very good way to answer this question. I mean, um, first going back to the question of my mom, to to the to the thing about my mom, I don't think she is happy, but I think she she is a very positive person by nature. Mm-hmm. So she figures out a way to make her happy, to feel fulfillment by doing things because it's more like a positive attitude towards life Mm -hmm. but then one day I pointed out to her it was actually like two years ago I think one or two years ago I told her have you ever imagined having a life that where you don't have to do this will you be happier instead of being happy that you did like 50 digits today have you ever imagined not doing it in the beginning you know so have you ever imagined like you don't have to take my paternal grandma to hospital and spending like I don't know how many days in there being with her um have you imagined that being being a possibility and then she realized she never had wow um so I think 
it was really sad. Um, mm-hmm. She was sad too because she realized that she created this type of uh, mentality for herself to make herself feel better. Yeah, totally. Uh, because she thinks even her anger or her resentment could be a burden to her family life. And so she didn't. A, she doesn't show it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though because, it does exist. I think it's her problem. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely there. I mean, it's okay. a human thing. Yeah, it is. It is a human thing. Yeah. So, and like, also, I think it is quote unquote easier for me to, you know, like we mentioned in the previous episode that I feel a lot of, I feel suppressed living in a society where I don't see a lot lot of women um, doing things or being female rebels. Uh, So I feel, I felt freer when I came to the Western society. However, however, it's easier, but it's also not because I never realized that I need to take on so much responsibility in order to have that freedom. It doesn't just come as what it is. Right. So going back to the question that how can I fill my cup, I think I just need to grow the freak up. <laughs> <laughs> because the thing is, when I was in China, I was protected. And I... True. As you know, as a single child and all that kind of stuff, and as a girl, even though my freedom, so quote unquote freedom, I felt it was suppressed. It's also because I didn't, I never had the chance to know how much do I need to pay for that freedom. It just doesn't come. It doesn't come. Not, nothing comes as free, you know. And if yeah. I, and that's something I realized when I started living in the states. It's not. It's not easy. Um, no like it's it's yeah it's different lifestyles but when you have that freedom you take more responsibility and when you are sheltered when you're protected you um sacrifice your quote-unquote freedom and i think it's it makes it makes sense um Mm -hmm. did you have any like cultural you talked about coming to america and realizing all of this were there any cultural shocks that you experienced um in realizing this difference like yes yeah. Yes. Um. That is huge. So there were two defining moments in my life when it comes to liberating women and family and intimate relationships. These two moments created such big cultural shocks to me that until today, I think going back to your previous question, I still struggle with what kind of relation am I personally looking for, Um. In, no matter in my family or just in my life in general, like how, what kind of relationship do I want to have with people? The first moment happened during one of my freshman year classes. I took a class called Contemporary Modern Chinese Writers in the 20th century or something like that. We read a book called The Butcher's Wife by Leon, I think that's mm-hmm. how you pronounce her name. The exact storyline was quite blurry to me today, but I want to highlight the part where it still gave me nightmares until today. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, it's it's so it was the story was about a lady living in a small village and she was physically and verbally abused by her husband and there were very, very graphic descriptions wow. in the book. Um and eventually she ended up murdering her husband and becoming crazy. And again, very graphic descriptions <laughs> in the book. Um, and that was a awakening moment. Of course, the example was very, very extreme, and it was a great tragedy, but 
it was the first time that I knew in history there were Chinese women trying to fight back, even though the method is definitely wrong and by no means recommended. I don't think anyone should do it, but it's not a cultural thing. It's it's never a cultural thing. It's not a toxic family culture. It's not always tolerated anywhere. Um, yeah, that's so not true. because it's China, so she's okay with it. No. And I couldn't help but start thinking instead of taking pride again in, you know, for my mom, for my mom, I think instead of taking pride in what she has done, has she ever thought about, you know, fighting back? And then it turned out, as I mentioned before, she did, but she just rewired her brain and into thinking about it the other way. Mm -hmm. Um, The second moment happened when I went to New York and, took a study away class in NYU Tisch. I was taking this class called American Film Writing and Censorship just for fun. Because it was a class dedicated to film major students, I I was quite confused the entire time and ended up having a B minus. But when I was <laughs> taking the class, yeah, because we watched like a three hour film every class and, and I was oh super late. I just fell asleep sometimes. Oh, I but would fall asleep. I, so it's hard. So, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 the the title was definitely very enticing, but mm-hmm. I, I I couldn't. My English was also not really good by then. I didn't know American film industry had a rating system, mm-hmm. so it was all new for me. But I did remember in one class we discussed. Here is a non PG thirteen topic. We discussed something called, quote unquote, the money shot. If you don't know, look it up. But it's basically we're discussing about women liberation and it's a it's a um, phenomenon in film industry where men's joy or men's sexual, um, you know, happiness were largely uh, depicted more than women's joy and happiness um, when it comes to intimate relationships. So. Um, yeah, some of the money shot is it's some it's a pornographic terms in the in pornographic industries. So yeah, at the end of the day, the the scene the the scene for women and men when it comes to to sexual depiction is very disproportionate. So there was a movement in American history saying that women's joy and happiness should be depicted more in films. Um, totally. Yeah, and there was a myth because why, you know, why why we don't do that? And some people say it took too long. <laughs> some people say it's not forever. You know, because there's no universal answer to that. But right. doesn't mean that we should just completely cut it off or not having it at all. So yeah. Hmm? Sorry, what oh, were you yeah, trying to say? Oh, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's different. It's more complicated, but it's not a reason that it should be ignored. And um, it's very interesting. I mean, it's a more of a, like an old, old movie thing instead of like now, because I think now people have more awareness to it. And there mm-hmm. are like a genre dedicated to women's happiness, joy, whatever. Yeah. So, I, I think it touches, though, totally on an ingrained um, perception of woman's happiness and that men's happiness is more important in the sense that like women are a catalyst for men's happiness, but where, mm-hmm. but where does woman's happiness exist in any of that? And yeah. I think that whether we like it or not, film 
and, um, you know, art and everything, they de- it deeply influences our perceptions and our cultures and how we view things. And, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure that, well, I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a tricky topic to unbox, but I, I mean, that can ingrain a lot of things subconsciously in, in the, in, in the minds of men on how, yeah. you know, and they don't even know that there's actually something wrong with that. Like it's been mm-hmm. going on for so long, this idea that, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's one of those things that's so deeply ingrained. And I think that's huge. That story that you just shared is just, it's huge because it, it really shines a light on yeah. how systematic things have been, um, and why we have months like women's history month. Um, I think yeah. that's huge. No, for sure, because it was very raw. I mean, again, it's very intimate, and I don't want to, you know, say too much about it in case someone get offended. But mm-hmm. um, it was the reason why it was in a class. There was a reason why it was included in the syllabus, you know. So exactly. I just think because it's very basic human function. It's so we take it for granted and we saw films like in the 60s, 70s. Um, I remember we went through so many films with that specific like sexual scenes and we went through like 10 of them. Mm-hmm. And they there there's a way there's a at the end I was just like, you know, it's it's not even in the beginning everyone was like, "Oh my god. <laughs> We're going to watch these films." So excited. But then it was like, "Okay. You, we know you we know exactly what's going to happen." Exactly. Um, and it, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's highlighting a, a bigger, bigger picture yeah. um, that is potentially damaging. Yeah. Is damaging, not even potentially, it is damaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was my two cultural awakening moment uh, when I went to, or when I first encountered quote unquote Western cultures or American universities. Well, just, totally. you know, you know what I mean. It's so It's so valuable that you shared that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely happy to put it here. But I, I guess my uh, my fascination, um, my 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 question to you then is, again, as we mentioned previous previously, for me, again, freedom comes with price. But in the beginning, it seems I when I first went to the states or when I first went to Europe, I realized there were so many things I could do mm-hmm. uh, without being judged. But I guess for you, it's it's a different story. So do you have some cultural awakening moment other than the moment when you were on that dinner table that night, an hour conversation that you had? Yeah, absolutely. I think I definitely um, want to echo what you say as far as you experience that initial awe factor of, wow, this is how it is here versus how it is where I'm from and stepping into Chinese culture as an American woman, I've had the opportunity to observe, observe a few things. And in China, the woman in our personal family are in charge. They are the ones heading up each and every conversation at the dinner table. They're the ones calling the shots and making the plans. And I noticed that the the men calling the shots, calling the shots, family. Oh yeah, gosh. like they're in charge. Okay. And okay. um to experience that, it's really empowering. I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. you know, this is cool. Like that I I feel like I can fit right in with them. Um 
and the men, they just kind of sit back and they don't seem to resist it at all. Um, however, though, as you just touched on, I know that this is not likely the case for all Chinese families. And in fact, in visiting with family friends, I've definitely seen examples of Chinese women taking a back seat and sitting silently at a dinner table, for example, and just catering to the children and smiling and nodding. Um, but I also can't help but wonder about a few things of those women in those families. Um, maybe they're in charge in other ways or they simply share the same philosophy as your mom and they go about things a little bit differently. Um, when it like, Maybe they share the view that they like to just take a step back. Um, or maybe we've just had dinner with wives who aren't as familiar with the other dinner guests as their husband is. Um, these are all things that I think are very important for me to take into consideration because I don't want to come on here with my... Obviously, there are a lot of people in my personal life from America who are very interested in my experiences in China because China to a lot of Americans seems like a black box. They don't know what it's like over there. It's very foreign. It's very, you know, there's a lot of preconceived ideas and notions about it too. But I also need to really make sure that I am saying that this is just my experience. This is not a blanket, um, idea about how it is. This is just my own personal experience. So I think it is important for me to take into consideration those different factors. But personally, I have observed the type of balance between the sexes that I think we're striving for here in America. And this definitely like talking about this now after hearing everything that you've talked about is contradicting to what you're saying. And I realize that because maybe it's still just so new to me, you know, and um, or maybe it's just my family. Um, but in experiencing what I've experienced, it it's not scary for me to think about the role that I'm stepping into and, it, and the family I'm stepping into and the culture that I'm stepping into. It almost makes me a little um, excited in a sense to step into my role in Chinese culture because in many regards, I do feel more empowered and seen and heard for my mind and who I am rather than just a pretty face. Um, and I could be totally wrong. There's definitely a language barrier, <laughs> but in China, I never feel like I'm taking a back seat to my fiance. Really? I do feel like today women are pretty well honored by society over there from what I've seen. And my fiance, I, I mentioned this to him once when we were over there and I mentioned it to him a few times actually. And, and he told me that there's a saying in Mandarin that says woman hold up half the sky. And that really made an impact on me because I think I don't, I don't know what it's, what it's connotations and further meanings have in Mandarin or how it's used culturally and in society in China. But for me, that is something that really, I don't know. It, it, it hit us. It hit a chord with me because I think that's what I'm looking for. And it's refreshing for me to hear my partner in my relationship say such a thing because it reiterates the fact that I know that we see each other as equals in my relationship, in our relationship. So I guess while it's true that women do a lot for their families and dedicate their time to them, it's, 
in China, it's, it's different than what I see in America. And maybe that's, again, just my own personal experience. But I think what makes it so different is that there does seem to be a true balance with the sexes, like I mentioned before, taking into account that this may just be my own experience. But there are other ways that things are different in this regard, too. And I know that I'm a small piece of a puzzle when it comes to the larger picture of a family in China. But I don't feel insignificant because I will physically bear a new generation of this family. And from that lens, I feel like it's an honor rather than an obligation or duty because they honor me because of my ability to do that for the family, if that makes sense from my perspective. Mm -hmm. And personally, with my own culture and my own background, I know I feel confident in my ability to navigate this because I'm I'm nowhere near being like even halfway navigating through all of this. I don't think I ever will be. Um, but I know that I will stand firm when it comes to filling my own cup, like I talked about mm-hmm. before. And in the beginning, I, I think I used to be scared. I think mostly because a lot of it was very unknown to me. And I, I used to be scared that I'd only be valued as a means to an end and, and an end being grandchildren. Um, but the emphasis on family feels comfortable and very natural to me just because in my upbringing, um, family has always been emphasized. We're always doing everything for everyone. We're a unit rather. And like I mentioned before, like you, I, I just highlighted examples, um, before all this, that it's definitely kind of come back to bite me in the sense that I can find myself in, in, a, in a trap of being so selfless and not taking care of myself. Um, but I think me being able to recognize that can help me navigate this a lot smoother than I think um, I I would be able to if I didn't have that upbringing. Um, but yeah, so this is all like it's very, very complicated for sure. And there is yeah. a balance between personal limitations and adhering to cultural expectations. Um, I do believe that's true, at least for me. Um And this is still, it's like I said, it's just very complicated in many regards, but it doesn't feel hard to me because I love my fiance and it's definitely something that I'm still unpacking every day and I will be for the rest of my life, but I'm clear on my love for him. And this is where I can identify with your mom a little bit, where I'm Mm -hmm. clear that I love him. I'm clear on what needs to be done for the family. Um, But where I definitely identify with what you're saying is that there is an oppression that can easily happen in that if you're not careful, if you're not aware to it, I guess you could say, or if you're, I don't know if you're trying not to cause a stir, I guess. And as I mentioned before, like I've, I've been in that trap in my relationship already, but I'm hoping that, you know, I'm moving on from that. So it's, it's, it's all very interesting. It feels very messy (laughs) in my mind. So I hope it didn't come out as messy. No, it's it's really not. It's really not. It it just seems to me like you have a, you know, exactly what you need to do. You know exactly what you want to do. You just need to balance it with what you feel like you need to do. Because sometimes what you feel like you need to do for the quote unquote family, Mm -hmm. um, might be contradicted with what you know you want to do, but there's actually, it's, it's actually not that complicated. There might not be a contradictory at all because in, in your mind true. it feels like it, but it's really just not. That's However, true. for me, 
it's yeah. different because I never know what I want to be like what kind of role do I want to be like because because growing up I had too many of those ingrained in my mind totally. I just need to be me but at the same time I can't be me because it's unsafe to be too out there um interesting with that being said I kind of when I mentioned uh you know my dad the first man in my life yeah um I remember I had this conversation with my dad as a only child. He raised me, you know, to be both a guy and a girl, to be capable enough to to face this cruel society, but at the same time be a lady. He told me, despite how fearless he wants me to become when it comes to my own life and my career, he wants me to understand that men, of course not all men, but for him and men that he know are looking for women that are quote-unquote lovely. And what's the definition of quote-unquote lovely? It's more like being domestic, not taking themselves as girls, but someone who takes women's responsibility, who do not, who doesn't shut away from what it means to be a woman, to fulfill those responsibilities, which means that, you know, cleaning the house and doing all that kind of stuff. And of course, I was furious when he told me this, but after giving it another thought, actually, I didn't give it another thought, but it was because after (laughs) I talked to one of my best friends who is a tattoo artist, she's the same age as me, but her dad passed away a few years ago when she was 18 years old, and her dad passed away very, very fast in like two months. Um, She told me that my dad was uh, being protective because he he knows that under his protection I could be a girl but when eventually like when he's no longer there um it's safer to be a lady who can take the responsibility of that title that he knows the safest route is to be a lady like women and to be a woman who knows how to use her power by being lovely and domestic. It is charming to know your power and to use it right. Um, like I can have a comfortable and basically guaranteed good life if I just become someone like that. Because there are so many successful cases like that and my mom is one of them. But then it comes to, is that what I'm looking for? Does it really go as well with my personality? Or just who I am? I don't even know what my personality is. So that kind of messed me up um, in the best way or the worst way possible because I don't know what I want to be, even though when I'm in like a great, healthy relationship, sometimes it just always comes to me when because when he said eventually men like women who are domestic and who are like my mom, who takes all the responsibilities and smart and charming. But, you know, what if, yeah. you know, eventually I realized that was what men are looking for, because that's the reason why there are a lot of, you know, what we call uh, leftover women, which is a very demeaning term in China. That's what is happening there, because men want to look, want to end up with someone who is simple and young and just just like that, you know. So if I ended up having a miserable life, um, then I would regret. I mean, of course. I don't think it's going to happen to me. I think I'm no. like, I, I, I'm, I'm like really healthy because I'm with a healthy person, exactly. but like I need to make exactly. sure that I'm 
I don't mess up with my mind with those kind of philosophy, if you may say. Totally. Yeah, I have. All this definitely brings a question to my mind, and that's: um, Do you feel like your generation and our generation in China is evolving in that direction, where they're kind of taking into account what they saw growing up with their mothers, and they're wanting to? something different do you think that's changing in the culture I guess or do you in moving towards a more progressive route where women aren't so accommodating anymore um, from your Mm -hmm. perspective because I only know what I've experienced but I'm only experiencing people of your mom's generation I'm not really experiencing anyone else besides you so I just want to know if there's like a cultural shift there that's happening Mm. I mean I don't I don't I mean, if your mom is successful enough, every girl wants to become their mom. If your cousin is successful, you want to be your cousin. Right. You know, that's just what a, a young child would do, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there is a specifically specific pressure to follow the path of your parents Yeah. Uh, anymore, mm-hmm. specifically. Um, they want you to be free. That's what I definitely see. However, they also want you to be safe. They want to be able to provide you with everything that you need. Um, so with that being said, it might be safe to just become them. That's why a lot of parents still want their kids to repeat the route. But I don't think it's a it's that it's that emphasized anymore. So. I guess by wanting their kids to take the safe route. I mean, anytime you're wanting anyone to take a safe route, you're scared of something. And are parents scared of their daughters in specific not finding a partner if they don't do these things? Or you talked a little bit, you touched a little bit on the term leftover woman, and I've never heard about that before. But is that coming from those women who kind of rebelled against the system in that regard? Or... Mm-hmm. what's the root a of that a little bit a mm-hmm. little bit yeah it's more like uh you know you're good you're very you know you're experienced you have a good career you're old but yeah like you don't have a partner it seems like a way it seems like a i don't know it could be seen as a as a failure if you don't end up with someone who's good enough or just to end up with someone in Chinese society. I think it's shifting again, but um, it's definitely there. Mm -hmm. And from parents' perspective, they don't care about feminism, right? They don't care. They just just want you to be happy. Right. And and that is for them when you're old and not with someone. For them, it seems dangerous for Mm -hmm. a lot of parents because you're like alone, a girl alone tackling the entire world. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what they mean by being safe. I think too, I mean, we talk about like the timeline in this episode and I definitely feel like there's a lot of women in America who are making the choice to be single or to not have children because they don't want their timeline to be affected. And the reason why they don't want their timeline to be affected is because if it's affected, it affects their earning potentials. It affects all those 
different factors that men don't really have to worry about just because their body doesn't carry children. Um, and I think that's interesting. I mean, do you feel like young women who made that choice in China have made those choices with the timeline in mind? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can't say for all of them. I know people who freeze their eggs and stuff, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I actually don't know. Some some of them don't. I don't know. Okay, I can't. I really can't give a reason, but I'm sure there are all kinds of reasons. Maybe you don't feel like compromising with. Maybe you're comfortable living a life on your own. Mm-hmm. You can manage yourself well. You can pay the bill. Not only pay the bill, but have a pretty good life. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like sharing. There are so many reasons behind it. I think there is, but there the reality is. is the same. It's all. It's it, there. It could be a reason, but then eventually it becomes an excuse to the society. It became a their reasons will turn into excuses in front of their parents or the societies, and that's the part when it's tricky. Because it's tricky. Well, the reasons I want to be quote unquote free becomes an excuse for why you're not having a partner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mhm. People like maybe view it as excuses rather than that's yeah. just the choice you've made yep yeah and when really i think that's the heart of this episode is that as a woman you should be free to choose whatever you want without judgment without criticism you should just be able to live the life that you want to live yeah i mean i definitely think that's what it should be but i also see how difficult it is mm-hmm. i i think before people judge me i tend to judge myself Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's so true. Like, I don't think people are actively out there judging me at all, right. actually. Right. <laughs> I, I think I need to stop having that mindset. And why mm-hmm. do I even have that mindset in the first place? I think that's why we need to talk about. So I think um, as we are, you know, towards the end of this episode, I think I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, do you think there is a power dynamic when it comes to women in their family life? Um is having a family a form of sacrifice? I know that you mentioned it a little bit in the beginning that it's an honor other than an obligation, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you think there is a power dynamic? Yeah, I think societally there is um, when it comes to women in their family life and even in their intimate relationships because balance between the, stu- the sexes starts not only at the micro level but also the macro level. I firmly believe that. And we can be the change makers in our daily lives and in our households and in our personal relationships all that we want. But if that change is not reflected at the top where it matters, like in the workplace reflected in elements like wages, we won't see the equality we are seeking. And something to keep in mind um, that really brings it home for me is that inequalities are created by those who seek power and those who benefit from those inequalities. So, for example, like just like in my relationship, I refuse to cater to making things better for everyone else but me because it it enables a stagnant society. If I sit back and say, no, I shouldn't ask for the raise because I might have a kid in three years and then it's a loss to the company and blah, blah. I've heard it all. I guess I don't believe that. But, you know, like there are people who take that angle. They say, oh, well, we'd rather hire the man than the woman because – the woman might have to pause her career for 
however long, and then that's a loss to the company. Well, we have to stop seeing things like that. Um, and because it it's creating stagnancy in our society, we're not evolving as a society. We're not growing. And, um, so this is why personally and individually we ask for the raise, we demand maternal and paternal leave. And this is why each of the sexes deserve to be treated with the same respect. And the list goes on, but you get the picture. Like you need, that's where equality happens. It, it, it starts, it's, it's activated on both the micro and the macro level. And we can't have change without it happening in both places. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's where the power dynamic lies. And you asked, you know, is having a a family a form of sacrifice for a woman? Well, it is to society standards. Um, but personally, I don't see it as a sacrifice at all. I see it as something for me. And I'm not saying here's the deal. I had a, I had a, I had a friend when I was growing up who was constantly rejecting the idea of a relationship of having a family and all this stuff just because I don't even know why, but I think either that came from being personally hurt a lot by relationships. So we reject the things that we feel are a threat. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think there's an element of society that also outlines wanting those things is a threat. Like for example, back when I started college, um, I was sitting with, um, the provost of my college at the time was working on a project with him and he was asking me off topic what I was hoping to do. And at the time I was thinking I wanted to go into pre-med. Um, I was really interested in doing something in that regard, obviously not in pre-med because chemistry really um, kicked my booty, but um, I found my, my joy in marketing instead, but that's not the point. He, at the time when I answered with that, he said, well, are you sure you want to do that? And I said, well, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm sure I want to do that right now. This is, this is where I, I want to go. And he said, well, you do need to think about the fact that probably by the time you're done with med school, if you have time for a relationship during med school, that mm-hmm. by the time you're done, you're going to want to start thinking about having kids and then you won't really have, you won't really be able to start your career and you'll, you'll have wasted all this money and not been able mm-hmm. to use the knowledge that you've gained by spending this money. Mm-hmm. And that really made me angry because here's the deal. Society is the reason why I can't have both as a woman. Truly. Mm -hmm. It is the reason why I can't have both as a woman. And, um, because the truth of the matter is as women, we can have both. And I personally am in carving out a path for me to have both. Um, but the reason why we can't have both is because we don't, have the equality that is needed to have both. Like my big, one of the biggest things that I, I really find important is paternal leave as well as maternal leave, like I mentioned before. And, um, you know, so that's, that's like, we have the society has the power to create a situation and an environment where, we are equal. It's just a matter of, I don't know. It's, it's a matter of people, some people losing their power and Mm -hmm. not benefiting from the inequality. Um, 
but yeah, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my long answer to the short question of, do you think there's a power dynamic? But that's, no, I love that. Yeah. I couldn't believe that your high school provost said that whoever this person is, there should yeah, be fired. Co- college. Yeah. I don't know where he is now. College. But, um, yeah. Yeah. He's, that was quite a moment for sure. But, but yeah, well, I guess, um, we covered a lot in this episode, a lot, a lot. Um, yeah. But it's beyond the topic of feminism. I never liked the name feminism. But I think what we're trying to say here is just what is what is it like to be a woman in family settings and in intimate relations? And I I'm not trying to argue. We are not trying to argue what type of present uh, responsibilities that we should take. Like, should we do the dishes instead of cleaning a floor? Like. And I think um, families and intimate lives are something that I'm personally very, very confused about. And I don't think I will ever have an answer to it because it shouldn't be. Because it's one aspect in our life where there are so many surprises and there are so many growth, room to growth. And there are so many potential for me to know this person that I'm spending my majority time of with every day. And I think it's something that we should always try to unbox um, totally. At the end of the day, no one is ready for life, and life always catch you off guard. And I guess that's the best part of it. And I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I guess I'm just gonna end it there. Um, <laughs> do you have any other thing that you want to add? I just think that this is just a great talking about these topics and putting them out on the table is a great way to celebrate women's history month. And even though women's history month has been overshadowed by a virus, um, Mm -hmm. but women's history month and international women's day should be every day. Um, Shout out to the nurses. Shout out to the nurses right now who are on the ground and who most of which are female. (laughs) So anyways, um, but yeah, super excited to continue on with this series and um, we hope you enjoyed and, We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like what you hear, subscribe and share it with a friend who you think might like it too. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at spark underscore podcast, Facebook at the spark, Twitter at this is the spark, WeChat at the spark podcast and YouTube at the spark podcast. See you there.